to another episode of Game of Life with Dan and Harmon. It's just Dan here again today, while Harmon's still off for the next few months. But I'm joined by Oliver Coleman, comedian, whose show I saw last year, and I've never been to a comedy show that was that tense before. <laughs> it was scary. Hello. I was sitting in the front row. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was the guy who you um, chastised for most of the show. For, um... Rolling your, show. your eyes yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so, so it might have been particularly tense for you. Yeah, you yeah, absolutely. Do you, do, you, do you scare people uh, in your comedy shows? No, not, not really. Pulling um, their eyes out? Uh, that, one, that one, I think, I don't know when you came to see it. It was an interesting show. The whole, mm. like, the, the premise of the show was... Um, I played like this pretentious artist persona yes. and I'd come on stage and some technical things kept going wrong and then I'd pretend that someone in the audience, you, I guess, yeah. that night rolled their eyes yes. at me and um, I'd get like offended and annoyed yeah. and, and the whole shtick of the show was me kind of refusing to do the show. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was it was an interesting show. I, I, it really sh shifted from kind because of, a lot of it was play with the audience. It's quite a unique style I've never quite seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that show was, and it, and it was it was more tense than other some nights than other yeah. nights. Like I think some nights um, maybe I had more of an edge to me than other nights, and uh, some nights the audience wouldn't quite. Uh, get the joke as mm. as much as other nights, so it it would depend on kind of night to night ab yeah. about how like playful and light it could be within like the shtick of the the show. Yeah, yeah. I like seeing something completely different, something that sort of really messes with your expectations. Like mm. I saw Gary Star last year, and that oh, yeah. was incredible because it's a show that doesn't make you think, right? Mm. <laughs> you can just go in and enjoy it. And I like seeing those shows that are different, that sort of break the mould a little bit. And you did that last year of your show, which I've never seen you before. And that was the first time I saw you and I thought, oh, okay, this guy is breaking the, you know, standard formula that, you know, stand-up comedians go down. And I just thought, well, is that sort of show that you did last year, how different is it compared to the shows you've done before? Um. Yeah, pretty different. I guess with each show, I I really do kind of change what I do yeah. every show. I kind of find a new um, voice sort of mm -hmm. every show. Like with the very first show I did, Poolside, that was more just a mm. straight out kind of uh, absurd kind of sketch character show. It had a bunch of props. It was very silly. Yeah. Um, the, then kind of Sublime, which was the second show I did, and Neon, uh, the one that you saw yeah. last year, they were kind of similar of the same world. It was yeah. kind of this like meta uh, comedy kind of um, uh, style, I suppose, where the, the 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 show kind of fell apart in, in, yeah. in different sorts of ways. So, so those shows were kind of linked. I think Neon was probably more like a fully realized version of that. Yeah. And then this year is kind of different again. It's more, um, I mean, I haven't finished... Yeah, yeah making, it, making it yet, but this one is kind of more um, of a, I suppose in a way a conventional stand-up show. Yeah, I think that the the style of stand-up is maybe more like heightened and yeah theatrical and and stuff than um, just like 
conversational stand-up. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, in, in terms of like, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think each show just whatever comes out it ends up being different so far in terms of the way that I make shows. What, what, what do you enjoy more about putting together a show? Do you prefer, do you prefer the writing? Do you prefer the performing? Do you prefer the end results after having done a run? What, what do you like more? Um, yeah, I enjoy, the thing I enjoy is, yeah, the process of making yeah. it and, and figuring it out. I mean, the early stages are always nice because like the first few months the first six months or whatever of making a show or just like writing kind of after yeah. one comedy fest and then into the next one is fun because you're just kind of dreaming and and not really working within per any parameters and you just kind of explore and write whatever comes up and then slowly crafting that into a show it's always satisfying as you kind of go yeah. along the months of making it just like slowly piecing it together yeah. and ending up with a show it's always like you know, I didn't think I was going to get there and something came out yeah. in the end. There's a quote that I love. Um, writers prefer having written than the process of having wrote, which I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think the, the the making a show is, is, yeah. um, is hard. It's nice looking back and thinking, yeah, I made something. <laughs> that's, certainly made, yeah. but not, that's not to say that, like, I'm always happy with the work. Like, I always mm. look back and be like, oh, that could have improved somehow. Can you describe the um, pressures that you go through during the Melbourne Comedy Festival? Do you mean, like, the month of performing? Yeah, the month of performing, the money you put into it, the, you know, trying to sell it. How, what sort of pressure is on you during that month? Um, yeah, it's a lot. I feel like, you know, that the first week of previews, I, I anyway, am usually changing the show quite a yeah. bit to try and kind of refine it and really make mm. it good. So there's always that kind of psychological stress of, um, just trying to make the show as good as possible, even in that kind of yeah. first initial opening few shows. Um, and then it is like, just like physically tiring because, yeah. um, you know, I think it's just like it's a lot of n you're nervous and, and mm. anxious and you're kind of sitting with the dread of doing yeah. a show every day and I think that kind of mm. takes a, a toll. And then so you just stay up like as you're doing gigs kind of before mm. and after the show often as well mm. um, and, you know, always just trying to get people in worried that people aren't going to come. Mm. Um, f financially it's always a question of... of do you ever question why you're doing that during yeah, the run? Yeah. yeah, 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 all the time. But I think more and more, I think previously, maybe with Paul Sun and Sublime, I always felt like I was um, really like I really did find it very stressful. Yeah. Last year something shifted a bit in me and I was able to just um, be a little bit lighter or whatever mm. just um, in the doing of the show and, and the making of the show and it didn't really feel as much like I was having like a big mental breakdown whilst <laughs> I was trying to make it. And I think I've kind of carried that into this year as well. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's always it's always uh, stressful and, and nerve-wracking and uh, an experience where you're full of doubt. But I mean part of the fun of it is just like it, it shifting kind of night to night. It's so yeah. fun doing it. It's so great being able to do a show for a complete 
month because you can really just get to know a show so well and and, mm. and sink into it and it, and it shifts kind mm. of night to night and part of the fun and the joy of it is, is kind of playing kind of in the moment because the audience only ever experiences the show once but it's kind of fun for you just yeah. noticing the differences between each shows and mm. maybe you'll have like a couple of crap ones in a row and then inevitably there's a there's a there's a great one as well how long have you been doing comedy for um i probably did my first gig in 2016 i think right yeah how old were you then 28 so i started kind of late yeah yeah what were you doing before then uh before then i was doing um i went to like drama school so after i I graduated from drama school i was just doing kind of acting and acting in like indie theater shows and maybe every now and again i do like a short film and get a very small part in a in a um telly show or something when, when did comedy cross the mind then? Yeah, I I suppose um, it was always in the. I think it was always in the back of my mind. Mm. Um, uh, when I was at uni, when before I went to drama school, I was doing just a, an arts degree and was doing lots of student theatre mm. and, and that sort of thing. Then and um, then and then during drama school as well, I was very into like uh wanting to make like serious kind of theater or like kind of avant-garde sort of contemporary performance yeah. stuff um but then one year we took a show me and my friends from student theater at monash took a show to adelaide fringe and i saw um dr brown i don't know if you know yes, him yeah i am yeah. that clown gollier kind yes. of clown yeah. guy uh, saw him in Adelaide and was really inspired by yeah. that. And then back in Melbourne, I did. Uh, this was actually just after I started VCA, I think. And then I, I did a clown workshop with him. And that kind of was sitting in the back of my mind yeah. whilst I was at drama school. But then I was at drama school again and then got more into just kind of wanting to be a, a serious actor or like a more of a just like a theatre yeah. maker. Um, and I I think maybe I was three years out of drama school was doing Melbourne Fringe and that sort of thing and then just started watching because you get a pass mm. or whatever and just started watching comedy shows mm. and stand-up shows when I was doing um, Melbourne Fringe and and um, I somehow stumbled across Stuart Lee who I hadn't seen before yes. yeah. and I was got and I never seen kind of stand-up in that way that was kind of um, stimulating and like a, a for like playing with the form in a way that I found exciting in the way and that's kind of what I liked about theatre was all those kind of like um I suppose formal explorations of like pushing what you can do with yeah. theatre and breaking theatre down and, and and I liked how he was doing that with stand-up and I think I was watching that and I got um really into that and then it just kind of crossed my mind and eventually I did that raw comedy Mm. Uh, comp that you can do in Melbourne and originally the first thing I did was a show with my friend Emil from drama school we just put we did like a sketch show together at Melbourne Comedy Festival so I did that probably before I'd ever done or maybe I'd done Raw and then did that Mm. so we put together like a solo sketch show and then maybe I'd done a few more open mics and then just did like a solo show at Melbourne Fringe. You said you went to a clown workshop. Yeah. What, What was the clown workshop like? Uh yeah, initially I actually did another one with Dr. Brown wow. um, this year as well. Yeah, or right. last year, late last year. Um, uh, I re- yeah, I remember it being kind of because because you hear about kind of he 
kind of teaches that kind of goalie yeah. shtick. If people are familiar where it's just um, uh, you get up and you try and be funny and then the teacher's like, no, you suck. And it's about kind of playing in the space of failure. Yeah. Um, that, it, that must build up your confidence as a performer then. Yeah, it, sure. it, yeah. it, 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 it did. And I found yeah. that I was like, I remember um, one time you do this exercise where you try and find a shape that someone else has, this, it's called dolphin training exercise or something yeah, where right. someone's made a shape in the space while you're out of the room, then you come back in and try and find that shape by listening to the audience's applause as you get closer to finding the shape. Yeah. And I remember doing that and trying to be funny whilst I was doing that and the teacher, Dr. Brown guy going like, no, no one cares about your like stupid, funny idea, you, you <laughs> fucking idiot. I was like, and I remember finding that like, whoa, like that's so embarrassing that I was, I'm so shit and like trying too hard. Finding that kind yeah. of, uh, I, that, I mean, that sticks with me. So that's a memorable experience. But then also other times just like realizing that um, maybe just that kind of play with the audience and, and like eventually kind of after a day or two getting okay in that space of, yeah, failure and actually kind of enjoying it because it pushes you to find something yeah. more in the moment. How did uh, Raw go? Yeah, g- good. The first time yeah. I, d- I did it, that was my first ever gig. What sort and of stand-up were you doing? I was basically role? doing a bad Stuart Lee impression. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. I was trying to write some like super smart... Um, uh, yeah, maybe like meta kind of stuff. I think from memory. Um, yeah. And, and well, I remember there, there was some woman on who went up straight before me who did some really bad, it was just like racist and did like an impression of Asian people. And the room was really tense. Yeah. So I just went on stage and got a big laugh by calling that yeah. out, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe the, that just got me through. Yeah. But I remember one joke I remember, which is a good premise. I did something about Vegemite. I remember being the kind of product of um the it's kind of made from the leftover yeast of breweries and we're kind of using that kind of leftover effluent that's a product of the kind of nation's alcoholism to feed their children in the morning something about (laughs) i can't remember the joke but that that premise was sticks with me i feel like i should maybe return to that (laughs) and try and make it into something yeah so it's just me kind of copying Stuart lee more or less yeah and then i did that and raw is such like a well kind of welcoming warm sort of audience and i remember doing that and then the second time went back for the second round and it just didn't go as well, but it was still okay. Mm. And then someone there was like, oh, I'll come do, because I joined like the, you know, the, that Facebook group in Melbourne that has a list of different gigs. And someone was like, oh, I'll come do this gig that I run. And it was just like a normal standard mm. kind of new material night in Melbourne where you're playing to like five disinterested kind of punters. Yeah. And just like the energy of that compared to like the the warm, welcoming energy of Raw was such like a big... Yeah kind of shocked to my system yeah. and totally just like forgot what I was saying and kind of bombed there in front of these five people. And then I don't think I did it again for like six months or something after six that. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something like that can really destroy your confidence as well. I mean, so I was telling you before we started that I did green a Green Faces competition yeah. years and years and years ago, which was – you know, for, for new new people, try and stand up for the very first time, most of them. And 
you know, it's also a very welcoming welcoming crowd because people who know you are going, so it's very supportive. But then you sort of, you know, branch out a little bit and do different gigs around the city and it's not so receptive, which yeah. can really sort of tear you down as well. But so, so I quit after a year, but you went back to it. <laughs> what yeah. prompted you to go back to it? Uh, I think uh, I think I think I'd done those raw gigs before doing the show with my friend yeah. um, Emil at Comedy Festival, yeah. and that was a good experience, and we had fun doing that, mm. and that probably boosted my confidence again in doing comedy. Yeah. So after that, I was like, I was kind of inspired by kind of you know those Gollier people like Dr. Brown. I was like, I'm just going to make a solo show and and see what happens. Yeah. H- have you? Have you gotten to um, a stage where you're just doing comedy full time for an entire year? Uh, do you mean like uh, to make a living? Yeah, to make a living. No, no. Have no. you not managed to make a living from com- just comedy? No, no. not for a, no. not for a whole year. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a month here or there. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. No, I'm, I'm a while away from selling enough tickets. <laughs> you you have management though. You have. Um, yeah, I have management. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think they're, uh, you know, they uh, take a punt on on hoping that at some yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what, what's the, um, do, you, do you still fly out? Do I still fly Yeah, out? do you fly? Um, do I fly? I, I definitely do. Um, yeah, I'll fly. I'll fly just before my show. Uh, yeah. I was flying last year at Melbourne Comedy Fest and, I mean, um, I'll fly around the venue, Edinburgh, that's how you, I got an audience just yeah. flying for you know an hour or two before the show every night. What's flying like? Um, I don't mind it yeah. actually. Yeah, I think it totally depends on your mood, but um, it kind of gets. But right before a show, it can kind of get me out of my head, and I just mm. put on a silly voice, and you become kind of like entirely just shameless, walking up to people and just stop. Mm. at all caring what people think um yeah, uh, yeah so I, I, don't, I don't mind it because it just kind of gets me out of my head before yeah. i'm doing a show and i can just um become in, entirely unabashed sometimes it can be like you you'll like try and fly someone and they'll um just be like rude or a dick or insensitive to yeah. someone um desperately trying to get people into their comedy festival mm. show and, and that can put you in a bad mood. Yeah. Um, but generally it, it's, I, I don't mind. Wednesday nights are usually pretty bad for audiences mm-hmm. during the comedy festival. Have you had any periods of time when there's barely anyone in the audience? Over the time, yeah, yeah. I've performed to um, probably two people. Two the people. fewest I've performed to. How do, um, how do you get through through a show with two people in the audience. Uh, I actually, I actually remember that show. I think that was, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done that a few. I mean, yeah. two is probably the lowest, but there's been a few times that yeah. I've performed to like four or five people or whatever. I think when the audience is that small, you mm. um, there's just not really anywhere to hide. So you just yeah. kind of make the show entirely its own thing. Um, Did those two people see in the front row? They did, and that was, that was actually, okay. it was actually a really fun show. That okay. show, I remember, there were two young. It was poolside when I did it at Adelaide Fringe, and there were yeah. two young British dudes, I think, or backpackers or something, and they yeah. said they'd been recommended by the 
head of the Adelaide Fringe or yeah. something. So it's funny that she recommended them and they came yeah. and there's just two people in the audience. That was a big room. So I somehow yeah. ended up in like a 90-seater or something. So yeah. it's just like two people sitting in a 90-seater room. You know you know what I've noticed when going out to comedy these days? No one sits in the front row anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if they ever did. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like... I feel like people would not be so hesitant to sit in the front row probably, you know, a few years back. But now, you know, at least most recently I've noticed that people are more reluctant these days to sit in the front row. Yeah, probably. Maybe it's like the proliferation of like crowd work clips and that yeah. sort of thing on social media where everyone thinks they're going to get spoken to if they sit in the front row. Have inevitably. we become more shy? As a society. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. Maybe like post-COVID <laughs> everyone's more... We've become more recluse. More closed yeah. off and shut <laughs> off and unwilling to connect or put yeah. themselves on the line. <laughs> what What do you think of audience participation? Um, I, 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 as an audience member, I don't really, I don't enjoy doing it. Um, but you put th- people through it in your... I do. Show. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, the, the show that you saw, I, I kind of talked to the audience. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. get anyone up on stage. No. I've gotten people up on stage yeah. before. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's. Uh, I'm not f- for or against. So I, th- I think it's like uh, it's like a, just an interesting. Um, it's just a, a choice the comedian makes. I understand why people mm. find it um, really confronting and shy to be yeah. taken up on stage. I mean, as a performer, when you're all of a sudden pulled up on stage, you yeah. kind of um, pretend to be shyer than you are, yeah. I suppose, yeah. when you're taken up on stage. I think um, uh, it's it's a funny thing to play with as, as an audience. I do like a bit of... Um, I mean, this show doesn't really have any audience interaction mm. at all, the one that I'm making at the moment. The one with you, it was kind of like I pretended to get annoyed at people yeah. and there was a bit of kind of um, jabbing back and forth between me and the audience. And sometimes there were a few nights where maybe the person I, I picked out, and I didn't pick them out in a big way, I just pretended to get annoyed at them yeah. rolling their eyes. And there there were a few nights, one or two nights, where, where that person found it really like yeah. um, uncomfortable and they, you could just see them like shut down and 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 mm. and switch off and and tune out and and, mm. and um, feel like they weren't having a good time, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I w- wish they would have a, a <laughs> still have a good time, but sometimes it's yeah. like you know you um, like whatever, just don't yeah. come back to another one of my shows <laughs> or. Um, it's like a sacrifice yeah. that you've kind of sacrificed this person for <laughs> everyone else's good time. I, but I don't think I ever do it in like a malevolent yeah. kind of mean way. It's always in a in a in a spirit of fun, and I think um, I think most audiences can yeah. see that. Yeah. If you're having a bad show, is there a way to turn it around? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's like um, it's just say. It, it, well, the bad show I guess would be if the audience isn't yeah. laughing as much as I'd like them to laugh. Um, and so I think previously before doing shows, I could, I can, I could get kind of grumpy or surly or whatever in my own head and then just kind of say the show as fast as possible and get out of there as quick as possible and, and cut five minutes off and just leave. These days I've gotten a little bit better at just like, um, like throwing aside my expectations of hoping that the show is going to be one of those kind of brilliant 
extraordinary nights and just accepting the show for what it is yeah. and then just having fun and then just trying to find new things and muck around and, and find stuff that I find fun. Yeah. Um, I remember Rory Scovel, that American comedian, saying yeah. on a podcast once that he only ever feels like he's bombed if, if he didn't have fun. And I feel like that I kind of agree with that and hold on to that where if a show's not going well as long as I'm having fun then that's enough. And usually if I manage to make myself have fun that'll make the rest of the audience have fun as well yeah. and that'll bring them along. Uh, do you deal with stress well? Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm better than I used to be. Yeah. I like... Uh, Sometimes I can just cycle over things in my own head, but I'm, I'm better than I go. I like to go running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that gets it out. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Depends. <laughs> are, are you um, a forward thinker when it comes to laying out a plan for the year? Like in terms of like a career yeah. or a show? Yeah, or in terms of a show or you know or a career. Where do you want to see yourself end up in the world of comedy? Um, where do I want to see myself end up in the world of comedy? Or are you I just mean, going just, with the flow? No, yeah. I mean, I yeah, in terms of like yeah. having a career plan yeah. and, and setting it out, I'm not great at like having markers that I, yeah. I want to tick off. Um, I mean, I would just like to have enough people coming to my shows and, and sell enough tickets that I can pay my rent and make it yeah a, um and um make some money to live off yeah um or even live comfortably and have enough to go on a holiday that'd be great um <laughs> i think often a lot of creatives are you know are running at a loss yeah <laughs> more than making an actual living you know off their creative pursuits yeah um but i guess like in terms of like chasing the satisfaction yeah, yeah. Like the the satisfying thing for me in comedy would be making shows that I thought were um, like extraordinary mm. and, and original and interesting and, and really, really funny. Yeah. And if I was making shows that I um, – if I was making shows that were as good as the yeah. shows that inspired me to start doing comedy, then, mm. then that would be satisfying enough. And I yeah. imagine if I – was doing that and eventually they would find an audience. I think good work does find an audience usually. Yeah. It, it's so does mediocre work. Yeah. If, well. <laughs> if you start setting these, you know, grandiose expectations on yourself that this thing that you love doing is going to make massive amounts of money, it kills some of the joy out of it, don't you think? Yeah. I just <clears throat> I just don't think um <clears throat> You want it to find an audience, yeah. and I think you of want course, to work yeah. hard to. But find if you're an just audience. in it for but, to make money, and no, this is going to be my career. That's you're probably. Yeah, I mean, or you'll, or yeah, I, I, I guess I wouldn't really know how to have that as the goal. Yeah, because if my goal was to make money, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the yeah. slightest clue where to start to yeah. make the sort of work that's going to make money. I feel mm. like. I just want to make work that's incredible, that's, yeah, and that, um, you know, I feel like if if you do that long enough, then eventually it finds yeah. an audience. I mean, that's my hope. We'll see. Mm. <laughs> so 
you were always a performer before you started doing comedy. Were you a bit of a show off as a kid? No, I was pretty shy. Yeah. Um, I've always been pretty shy. I, I, but I was I was always um, funny, I think. Yeah, yeah I always liked... Um, I think it was a way of like, you know, having some like social capital mm. or something with family or friends was yeah. just being someone who could not necessarily be like, I'm not really like a guy who's going to launch in a, a dinner party and like carry an anecdote or anything. Yeah. But I'll, you know, in the past I, as a kid as well, just someone who could chime in and say something funny or do something a bit mm. weird or strange and, and, and get a laugh. Mm. So where does acting then fall into? Um, into all of that. Yeah, into all that, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it, it feels kind of far away. From, I mean, yeah. I still do like I get like, you know, the, I had still get to like audition and stuff yeah. for TV jobs and, and that sort of thing. So I still do the odd bit. But it seems quite far away from um, where I am now because when I was at drama school and before then doing student theatre and stuff and then after that it was really the thing that I wanted to do and I, and I um, was really entranced by the the power of great interesting theatre. Not necessarily like acting in and of itself but I was really interested in the idea of like making theatre. I guess yeah. I did that more as an actor than making my own work. Um, but it... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I was thrilled by it, but now it's like I I I would find being an actor so hard because yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those ones where you're just like, um, like comedy. Even when it's not going well, you can still just get up and do gigs. Yeah, even if they're um to like three people. Yeah, whereas acting, it's um very hard to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> Or do it. It's yeah. hard to just do it. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you prefer working with a group of people? Um, as opposed to on my own yeah. doing comedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's what I found because I, I did improv um, years ago and I liked that more. I would get less nervous about performing with a group, group of people because you had a safety net and you had, you know, the safety numbers as mm, well. Mm. So if you fail, you all fail. Yeah. Yeah. But when you up there on stage by yourself you're very vulnerable yeah totally i i do um yeah i mean the 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 things the recently i've done a few like collaborative projects like uh i'm part of a group called yes yes yes, yes. and and we do a, a comedy night at comedy republic and we just did a radio yeah. show on triple r which was fun mm-hmm. working with the group doing that and then recently i've been working with my friend brody um who's a filmmaker who lives in brisbane making like a kind of just improvised TV thing with which with a web series thing with with different comedians around Melbourne and that's like that's fun I I I I love that kind of collaborative process and and yeah. just it's it's um not necessarily the way I always like making work cuz I do enjoy the like solitary work of comedy where it's just mm. sitting down and, and writing and and me up on stage yeah. figuring out the thing that I want to do um but it is like a nice palate cleanser to not be alone for a little while working with other people. <laughs> T- take me back to your first show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. How'd that go? Um, my first solo show? Yeah, or your my first, first solo show, my yeah. F- my first solo show. Uh, yeah, it 
it was um it was great it was it was a really fun experience i didn't really know anyone in the Melbourne comedy scene at the time because i mm. after i did um that two-hander yeah. the sketch show at, at Melbourne comedy festival and then i did a solo show at Melbourne fringe then i moved to the uk and mm. i lived in scotland for two years and that's where i started doing comedy more seriously and and doing it um you know, giggling a lot mm. and, and regularly and I did Edinburgh Fringe once there as well and then I came back and did Melbourne Comedy Festival, pardon me, and then I came back and did Melbourne Comedy Festival. So I didn't really know anyone and I had a show uh, poolside. I did a Adelaide Fringe and Adelaide Fringe was um, an, a nightmare. I was just really lonely. The show was um, undercooked. I hadn't done, uh, it, it wasn't good enough yet. I got like a one and a half star review in the advertiser. Oh. Um, uh, and so when I came into Melbourne, I like worked on the show between Adelaide and Melbourne and, and I just went into Melbourne with like, just like not giving a fuck about about it and just being like, well, who gives a shit? I'm just going to have a good time Mm -hmm. because Adelaide was hard and I just want to, um, enjoy this. And my good friend Cass was my tech. And, and that was just really joyous having her in the room every night. And, you know, I changed the show heaps over the course of the first week. Yeah. And I think it was, um, it, it was, uh, you know, I was doing it in like a little 30-seater up at Tasma Terrace, um, one of those venues run by the crowd at the Butterfly Club. Um, and I guess uh, that was really cool. And I probably didn't appreciate it at the time, but it's that's sort of like... Um, you know, it's that it's that really lucky kind of dream initial run where over the course of doing a, a show where you would be guessing that like five or six people are gonna come to some unknown comedian show. Eventually by the end of it I was like selling out yeah. and had to like add a show and that sort of thing. So it, yeah. it it was really fun and it was really just great. Um I had a great time because my expectations were so low and I just didn't mm. care and I was just there to have a good time. <laughs> I think word of mouth is everything yeah. during those periods of time. Yeah. Because people, you know, get wind. Like true comedy fans would, you know, get wind of a, you know, a specific show and they're like, oh, this is amazing. You have to go and see it. And then, you know, you may sky- skyrocket towards towards the end of the run there. Totally, totally, yeah. yeah. And that's and that's yeah, that's kind of what happened. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Do are you someone who looks at reviews? Um, I, 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 I do. I, I think last time I did a show last year, maybe the year before, I, I waited until after. Hmm. I got my producer maybe to like send me like um like Instagram tiles or whatever if yeah. I got a good review and I could yeah. post that on Instagram. But now I try and wait till after yeah. the the end of the season. Do you think it would just drive you crazy if you were continually looking at reviews throughout yeah, the I think, Yeah, I think so because you kind of... It would affect the show. It does. Yeah. Well, you just get in your head, you kind yeah. of keep refreshing mm. the, you know, the, yeah. the age kind of comedy page to see if your show's been reviewed. And then also you're reading the reviews of other comedians and then maybe comparing yourself to them. Yeah. Um, and I just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just not useful. That's counterproductive. I I mean, I think it's good to read them at the end because I think sometimes they've got useful things to say. Yeah. Um, and, and it, and it it can help you become a better comedian, probably Mm. getting other people's read of your work. Well, what comedians do you look, look to, 
today as, you know, influencers? As influencers? Um, yeah, I mean, it was probably like a lot of those British um, kind of comedians that are I around now when I first... Some of the people that came out to Comedy Festival and then some of the people who I watched when I was over there, people like John Kearns, um, Jordan Brooks, uh, those people who were kind of doing stand-up but but it's mm. all um, they're just doing something completely different yeah. with it and, and when they perform it feels like there's this real um, just like suspended energy in the room. Yeah. Like... Yeah, John Kearns is just amazing to watch. Like his material is extraordinary and the crowd work is extraordinary and he, and he works with, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's beautiful as well as being really funny and I like that as well. Maybe other like Australian people like um, Zoe Coombs-Marr or, yeah. or um, Sam Campbell as well. Oh, yeah, Sam Campbell's great. Um, yeah, amazing. He's, yeah. A, he's, he's a genius. It just yeah. pours out of him. <laughs> it's great. It's got to be so hard to sort of stick out in a sea of 300-odd shows during the comedy festival. And yeah. 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 <laughs> Usually you don't. <laughs> um, I think, I think yeah, it is, it, is, it is hard. I think you can just all you, all you can do is just try and make the best yeah. show you can and yeah. also something that feels um, original and exciting to you. Yeah. Well, that's what I try and do. How expensive is it to put on a show? Um, take it around the country. To take it around the country? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's expensive. I mean, last year I did Perth and not many people came to my shows, so that was expensive, yeah. staying in Perth and, and flying to Perth. Um, and then those kind of losses were like offset against Melbourne and yeah. um, stuff, so I didn't lose heaps of money, but I didn't really make any money. Mm. Um yeah, it costs thousands of dollars. I mean, luckily, I've, yeah, I've got management, so they kind of um, front the costs mostly for um, doing the shows, which is a massive help, and that's very lucky. But there, yeah, at the, at the end of it, then it's because it is. The, I mean, the room hire is yeah thousands of dollars, and then registration and photography and marketing costs as well. So, unless you're playing like a really a big room, yeah. Um, the margins are very thin. What gets you through it? How do you get through that? Uh, the like the financial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how how do you push through? Um, I guess. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I guess like regardless of the things I've done, mm. like theatre or comedy, you see people kind of drop off along the way. Um, and for whatever reason, like I'm not that young anymore. I'm 35 and I've kind of stuck around still doing it. I, I mean, I just feel like I'm still excited by mm. the work and I feel um, like uh, there's some sort of unrealized potential and mm. something that I haven't discovered yet in how I make shows and the sort of show that I can make and... Um, I kind of want to discover what that is. Have you have you ever felt like throwing in the towel halfway through? Halfway, yeah. I mean, I often feel like throwing in the towel. <laughs> um, I, do I as much? I, I no. I went through. I think I went through a phase maybe a couple of years ago of really like considering 
maybe at the start of COVID or just before COVID, I started like a master's of social work. And I thought I was doing that mainly because I was like, oh, that'd be like an interesting job to have alongside comedy. Yeah. But it kind of got to the point where um, I uh, I was going to go to the Edinburgh Fringe and I just signed with management and I was like, I didn't have time to do the placement that you have to do when you're studying social work. So I was like, I want to um, just give it my all. And then since then, you know, I, I've had my doubts, but I've kind of come to some level of peace with myself where um, I have decided that it's kind of what I want to do. Yeah. And I want to figure out how good I can get at it. But then also like the flip side of that is like coming to some level of acceptance of like, yeah, I, I also can just like throw in the towel and that's yeah. like not that big a deal. Like I can mm. like life is, um, you know, varied and, and complex and, and full of interesting paths mm. and, and it is also fine to just throw in the towel. So I think making my peace with it being okay as yeah. well as, being okay not wanting to do that yeah yeah it gives me some like level of peace how do you balance also i think just getting there's like each year that you see kind of like like each year i feel like a better comedian yeah and then also each year i think there's been little milestones and things that i've like feel like i've kind of incrementally kind of crawled up the ladder so i guess you know you get enough of the carrot to stay in the game yeah how do you balance, um, you know, a regular job and comedy? Um, yeah, it's it's annoying. Like at the moment, uh, at the moment I just do like a I deliver veggie boxes to people yeah. maybe three days a week mm. and that's enough to um, get by. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean this year I think one of my resolutions – was to try and have more of a, a, a balanced life because yeah. when you're working and then doing comedy, comedy can like really take over and, and um, like mental space as well as like just timetable wise so you mm. don't have as much time to um, see friends or, or family or, or hang out with people. Mm. So I think that is one of the real challenges and, and one of the things that is difficult is that it, it is hard to balance a um a, a a full life around doing comedy and working. I mean, that'd be the kind yeah. of the best thing. Yeah. I think about making money off comedy is that you get rid of the other job because you feel like when you've got the other job, you also want to be working at the level of people who are yes, yeah, have comedy as their full time jobs. I guess so. You're like doing the money job as well as trying to work as much to kind of be as good as yeah the people who are doing it full time. So there doesn't feel like there's very much time left in the day. Um, but this year I would like to somehow with my timetable figure out how to have more time for my yeah. own life. Yeah. It's it's very hard when you're working a, you know, a regular nine to five, but you still want to pursue this creative side. And how do you balance that? Even if it's a nine to five job where you sort of have to go in and not have to think about the job too much, it's still, you know, I guess burdensome in a way to still have this this thing that sort of still is in your life while you're trying to go down this path, which you're trying to put all the brain power into. 
Yeah, it's a it's a pain in the ass. I yeah. hate it. <laughs> um, I think some people talk about um, trying to find, uh, you know, the, the nature of being an artist or whatever is that oftentimes you are doing jobs that aren't that yeah. and trying to find points of interest in it and like ways they can kind of nourish you. Um, but I don't really get that. I just find it gets in the way and pisses me off. Yeah. I think also the job I've been doing, I've been doing it for too long. And yeah. It annoys me. Um, and it'd be great to have another job that's, you know, more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so what what would be your ideal um, five-year plan? My ideal five-year yeah, plan? Yeah, um, uh, uh, Things that I could actively do to make my career go well. Um well, I would do a show each year at Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. It'd be nice to have the money to be able to take that to Edinburgh Fringe every mm-hmm. year and do that because it'd be great to have a career in the UK. Um, I would, uh, I don't know. You see, this is funny. I don't, I don't really know what my five-year plan would be. It'd be great to just do that in a way and like build up enough of a following that you were starting to play to an audience and then get kind of, management and that sort of thing in the uk and build up an audience there so you could tour there as well um it'd be fun to keep pursuing this uh film stuff that i'm doing in Mm. at the moment and slowly build up to um making short films and then uh feature films i suppose yeah yeah is friendships in comedy important to you yeah totally i think that's part of um i think that's part of the reason of why i got into theater Mm. was because I connected with people that were doing it as well. Yeah. And a lot of my friends uh, came from that and it, and it's similar with comedy, you know. It's like a um, enjoyable community yeah. to be around and you want to be around the people that you enjoy being around. It's a totally different wavelength when you're around other comedians. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think people like to mythologize it a little bit. Like you yeah. listen to those like American comedy podcasts or whatever yeah. and they talk about, I don't know, civilians or something like people yeah. who don't do comedy. Um, but I do like enjoy the company of comedians. I think comedians are able to um, – most comedians are – I think the, one of the things they have in common is that there's like a lightness with – um, with the way that people talk about like um, their own defects or like um, uh, their own anxieties or, or darkness or whatever that is like it's fine to kind of talk about that stuff yeah. in a way that it doesn't burden the other people. Yeah, yeah. And it's just... Um, it's 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 fun and it's and it's light and it's easy whereas sometimes if you're hanging out with people who don't necessarily have that like streak you can say something and they'll be like whoa what (laughs) like if you say like a self-deprecating thing or something they'll be like what oh my god whereas i think comedians and all they're like yeah it's all fun yeah Yeah. (laughs) who do you think you'd be without comedy who do i think i'd be yeah uh i'd probably be um just a pretty content um, social worker who yeah. saw his friends more often. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine. 
do you care do you care about people i know that's such a weird question to ask but do, are you a caring person i think so yeah i think i'm a caring person yeah i was thinking about this um the other day in terms of like audiences that yeah. you perform to um because after a while you stop um caring about mm. them as much in terms of like your self-esteem doesn't become reliant upon their response it's more like um you know they're like this amorphous kind of blob that you kind of provoke and it, and it produces laughter and you just figure out how to prod it in the right way to yeah. get kind of laughter out of it um but yeah you don't necessarily always think about audiences as um like full kind of complex individuals which i think is um uh it would be nice sometimes to return to that a little bit yeah. and, and think about them more as people as opposed to <laughs> just this weird kind of generalized yeah. idea of an audience yeah. i think yeah. yeah have you gotten to the point where you um don't care what other people think of you uh no no i, I still um care i still care um, yeah, I mean, I care what audiences think. I, I don't let a, let a bad mm. gig kind of get me down mm. in the way that it, it used to. I just see it as like something to mm. kind of work on. Um, but, you know, yeah, you want to be respected by your peers and you want audiences. I want audiences to like me. I feel like I'm good at um, not letting that um, shy me away from taking risks or whatever in front mm. of an audience. I feel like I'm good at... Um, uh, putting myself on the on the line and doing something just uh yeah trying to take a risk mm. um in front of an audience are you a harsh critic yeah i'm a pretty harsh critic of myself yeah but then sometimes i like still have things where i kind of let it um like i don't refine it enough you know and i can still let things slip or whatever yeah yeah what what words of wisdom do you live by do i live by yeah. um i don't know if i have any uh specific uh mantras or anything i think um uh i just try and be a good person yeah <laughs> yeah is it hard to be a good person sometimes um yeah i think so yeah it's yeah. hard to um maintain um compassion and an open heart in like a moment to moment yeah. um in your daily life and it and it's hard to uh live ethically within a <laughs> global system that <laughs> isn't entirely ethical yeah um I think it, yeah, it is. It is hard, yeah. but oh, I don't think it's um that hard. <laughs> how how do you um you know stop life getting you down? Um, I uh, you know, I've I've uh, I've gotten pretty good at um. I feel like I'm bad. Not bad these days at just looking around in my day-to-day -day life and, and being um, 
entranced by um, the wonder of the universe, yeah. you know, when it's just like um, a sunny day and, and, you know, you can just be filled with joy yeah. just walking down the street. It's nice. Or just like having a... Before I came here, I was rushing from work, but I sat down for five minutes to eat a mango <laughs> and it was it was delicious. Yeah. I feel like um, I'm, I'm better at like snatching those little moments yeah. of, of um, pleasure. Sometimes I think people get so consumed over little things that don't matter. Just waking up this morning alone is enough to be grateful Totally, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, that's that sort of stuff is very hard to be grateful in the moment, like having your yeah. health and that sort of thing. Yeah, like it's it's very hard to be grateful for that stuff until it's gone. So something I have to keep trying to remind myself is, if you're going through a bad experience now, you have to realize that this is only for now. You will look back at this present moment. And say, well, that's something I was experiencing then, hmm. not now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, everything will pass. Yeah, this the good, too shall the pass. good and the yeah. good and the bad. <laughs> yeah. What What excites you about you know this new show that you're writing? Um, it ex- it feels like a, a new kind of style of comedy that I'm yeah. performing. To be, I mean, every year I always tell myself that I'm just going to make a stand up show, and it ends up being something kind of like conceptual and theatrical. I, don't, I think yeah. this one might be that eventually, but at the moment it, it's more of a a, a, um, a stand-up mm. show and that feels like something I've been pushing towards. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's got good jokes in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is exciting. It, it feels like... Um, uh, I mean, it's exciting because I, I haven't finished it yet, so I'm not sure where it's going to end up. But it, it, it's um, doing some gigs. It, it really feels like I'm kind of yeah. holding the audience in, in a kind of um, kind of magnetic way, which which feels exciting. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Please tell people where they can find this new show of yours. Uh, they can find this new show. It'll be coming to Adelaide Fringe, yes. Melbourne Comedy Festival and Sydney Comedy Festival. Um, yeah. So you can go to any of those dates. Uh, but if you want a ticket link, there's one on my Instagram, Correct. which is at Oliver Coleman Comedy. I can't wait to see it. I mean, you're someone I only just saw last year and you're one of my new favourite comedians. So. Oh, well, bless. Please come <laughs> Even on. Even though I was completely terrified, I was terrified in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what I want. I want, I want my people terrified. Uh, thank you for coming in tonight. We're recording this in the evening, which is super strange for me, but this is. I'm so glad you came in. Thanks so much for having me. It was a, it was a joy. <laughs> <laughs>